If you kind of uh, slipped into this series on the uh, character of God midstream, you can go online and pick up every single message on every single attribute of God that we've talked about. But I want to encourage you along this line. It's important that you understand the character and the nature of your God. There is nothing more faith-building to understand who He is, what He does, and what He doesn't do. And along that line, to have confidence in Him requires that we understand that He is merciful. Say, He's merciful. He is wise. He is just. He is loving. He is faithful. He is good. And He is holy. And we've covered all of these, and tonight we're going to talk about how, the, how He is a true God. He is the one True God. So he is true and he's truthful. So here's why, you know, we do this. Sometimes, you know, folks will have a question as to why we would dive so deeply into the nature of God. Well, one, we need to know our God. The Bible tells us they that know their God will do what? Will do great exploits. So that alone is reason. But to know his nature is to understand his character is to have great confidence in uh, what he does and understand what he doesn't do. The other reason is this. If God is a certain characteristic, He expects you to be that way as well. Yeah. Aren't you glad you came? Amen. <laughs> so if the Bible teaches that He is just, we're supposed to be imitators of God as dear children. You should be cultivating that characteristic as well. It's not God is all these things and we just can't attain to that because He's God, you know, we're somehow nothing. No, you were made in His image. So if, for a fact, we find out that God is merciful, what should His people be? Merciful. Merciful. So if you find a Christian who has received the mercy of God because of his nature and character, but you've never become a merciful person, you've got a big problem. You're not living out the character of God, which means either you don't understand His nature or you refuse to emulate His nature. Either way, you've got a problem. Uh, when we talk about the fact that He is loving, He expects us to be loving. If He is faithful, He expects us to what? To also be faithful. And good news is the faithful shall abound with blessings. Raise your hand if you're a faithful person. Raise it up high. Don't be ashamed of it. You know if you are or not. But you can expect to abound with blessings. How about abounding this new year more than you ever have in your entire lives? Emulate the character of God. It does nothing but produce good things in your life. And so tonight we talk about the fact that God is true, that He is in fact you know, basically immersed in truth and there's no falsehood in him at all, he expects us to be what? Truthful and true. So, you know, a Christian operating in deception and lies and deceit is completely inconsistent with the nature of God and you can't expect God to bless that. And watch this, not just being honest with God and other people, being honest with yourself. The Bible teaches us that a man's heart is what? Is deceitful. Does that make sense? And sometimes you think you're a certain way and you're not. That's why we have to stay in step with him and listen to what he's telling us and always be correctable and always have a conscience that is tender where God can talk to us and make the adjustments in our life. So let's talk tonight about the fact that God is true. There can only be one true God. One. Say it with me. There is one. In John 17:3, we find that He is the only true God. Listen to what Jeremiah 10:10 says. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal King. And the Amplified says, But the Lord is the true God and the God of truth, the God who is truth. Shout it out. My God, My God is the God, God of truth. When we talk about true, we're talking about having integrity unpeachableness of character. It means he is right. It means he is correct. It means that he is not false. And it means that these things, he's always that way. If God says he's going to do something, he will do it. Now, this will help you tonight if you've been taught through religion that, yeah, God is God, but he's sovereign, so he can do whatever he wants to do. A God that is true cannot make a promise in his word and then violate that in the name of sovereignty. Because watch this, being a, a character trait of true means that he submitted his sovereignty to that character trait. That's right. That's right. Are you here tonight? Yes. A sovereign God put things down in his word. And once he has said those things, he cannot back off of them. Now understand the difference between you know, conditional prophecy and when he's making a covenant promise to a child of God. This helps you to know that, that you, know, you can really hang on to his word with all your heart 
and expect God to move it. Every example in Scripture is you don't ask Him for the Holy Spirit and He gives you something destructive. You don't ask Him for bread and He gives you what? Well, He's sovereign. God and His sovereignty will give you a stone because it's good for you. No. And the reason people do that, well, just bad teaching. But fundamentally, it's even more important to, to know that the reason they're receiving that bad teaching is they don't know the character of God. He is true. Say, so He is true. He is always right, always correct. He is always true. And He doesn't do what I call the switcheroo. You ask Him for one thing, He gives you something else. That is a carnal, secular, earthly, you know, worldly view of God because people are like that. If you were taught God is like that, then you were taught incorrectly. You say, well, what's the point of coming to church if all my theology is messed up? Just straighten out your theology. To sit under the Word of God, under the anointing, to have your mind renewed. And if you're in a place where, you know, I've already received it all. I learned everything I needed to learn about God before I was 12. Really? All that tells me is you have a world of things to unlearn. And if you're willing to unlearn them, you'll go to the next level in the things of God. And you'll be so glad that you did. But one of the reasons we can have confidence that He's a healer, a restorer, a provider, a deliverer, He is a guider, He's the director of our lives. The reason we have confidence that He has a plan and a purpose for our lives is because we study the fact that His nature is a certain way. He didn't say one thing and then do another. He is what? He's true. Say, my God is true. And that means you should be what? True. In God is no falsehood, so in you there should be what? No falsehood. You say, well, that's just too high of a standard. No, it's not. God never gives you a command. He doesn't give you the power to keep that command. That's just how he operates. It'd be a merciful for God to say something to you knowing you can't do it and not give you the power to do it. But he does. God is true. To say God is truth means he is and says and does only what is true from every single angle. His character, this possessive, you know, uh, you know, quality of his character, particularly in this context, he is consistently true time and time again, now and throughout all eternity. And a million years from now, God will still be what? True. Still be true. But there's a world out there that doesn't know him, that thinks there can be multiple gods, that teach the, the God of Islam and the God of the Buddhists and the God of this and the God of that are all the same God. Guess what? They're not because there's only one. Let me help you out here. There's one God and there's one devil. And if you pull back the curtain like the Wizard of Oz was on all these other gods, guess what you find? The devil. Every single one. And can I tell you something? Um, a friend of mine in ministry posted this recently. He said, it's getting dark. It's time for y'all to get on the ark. And they're going to find out real soon when he does return. We'll talk about this Sunday morning that uh, he's been banging the drum for thousands of years. Not a soul should look at God and say, you know what, I miss it. I guess I'm going to hell. You're an unjust God. Don't say that. For thousands of years, we've been preaching the same thing. And they scoff and they laugh and they refuse to get on the only ark that will save them, the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. To know his character is to give you great confidence to know he's true and he's true what? Sometime? No, he is all the time true. We love saying when we say God is good, what do you say? Get used to saying God is good. Yes, all the time. But God is true all the time. If you find a revelation of his will in the word of God, God's will and word are one and God and his word are one. You can know he's not playing games with you. Why is that important? Because it takes the, the God factor off the table as to being the blame for when something's not going right. It's not God. It's not His Word. Who does that leave? It leaves you. So what you do is you either assume because it's not happening in your time, it must not be true. Don't ever equate delay with somehow that's not God's will. And there's some things in my life that were delayed, and I can look back now, I couldn't see it then. But there's some things in my life that were delayed. Had we entered at that point, could have been very destructive and negative for us as well as others. In other words, uh, we have to grow up to handle certain anointings. 
and people. People. Because how I would approach certain people 25 years ago is very different from today. And everybody in this room might be very glad for that. <laughs> I am my mother's son. <laughs> Are you here tonight? So uh, something's delayed. Well, it must not be God. God's word must not work. No, that's not how you think. You hold on to what the word says because you know he is true. The revelation of his truth, of course, is what comes out of his mouth, what's recorded for you and for me in the scriptures. From uh, 1 Thessalonians, if you want to turn there in chapter 1, I'm going to read this to you from uh, verse 8 and 9 from the NIV and the Amplified. The Lord's message rang out from you. He's bragging on them, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, but your faith in God has become well known everywhere. That's awesome, isn't it? Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. And listen to these words. This ought to be the goal for not only ourselves, but for all the people out there in our family and our friends, our circles, those that we work with. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Those are the choices in the world right now. Not a pantheon of, you know, all ways lead to heaven, not a pantheon of various gods. There is the one true God, and then there's everything else, you know, basically lobbed into one group called idols. Tonight you sit here with a great amount of revelation. Uh, first of all, if you're in church in America on a Wednesday night, that's saying something about your faith. But more importantly than that is the, the reality of that faith. You're sitting here tonight with revelation that Jesus Christ is God's Son. That he is the only way, the truth, and the life. You sit here tonight as saved people. It's extraordinarily important that you celebrate that and keep that first and foremost in your mind. A miracle is taking place in your life. Millions of people out there are just as confused as they can be, and our country is getting more and more confused spiritually all the time. And you sit here tonight with a foundation of the new birth, with a certainty of eternity in your life. Amen knowing he's got a purpose and a plan for your life, and you're growing and you're developing, you are blessed people. Yes, amen. I said born-again people are blessed. Yes, are. See, with everybody in every church in town, you know, they're born again, they're saved. There are a lot of people that have a religion of fear. They've never met the one true Savior. They do what they do to stay out of hell because they're afraid if they don't do certain things, they're not going to make it. But to know that you didn't purchase your salvation. We work because we are saved. We do not work to get saved. That's right. Amen. There's peace in that. Amen. Amen. Everybody say great peace. Great, great peace. So what does this mean? It means that everybody in this room at one point in time turned from idols to serve the one true living God. Your idol could have been self. It could have been money. It could have been some other foreign religion. It could have been all kinds of things. But everything can be lopped into one of two categories. The one true God and idols. It's not real complicated. The key is for you and for me to not allow ourselves to go down that path of idolatry another single day. Amen. Serve him now with all your heart. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. Now, idols, of course, can be little figurines on your mantle that you bow down to. It could be bank accounts. It could be possessions and houses. Uh, you could even turn your spouse into an idol. But some people make their thought life their idol. The greatest standard and authority in life is what they think. They, they've turned their body into an idol. It's all about physical health and stamina and standing out. Some people have turned their image into an idol. You know, uh, there are cultures like in the, uh, the Amish tradition, which to this day they don't allow images in their homes of any kind. Now, contrast that with today's culture where everyone's taking selfies nonstop. Let me help you out here. You're not that interesting. <laughs> and the people that get on Facebook had dinner at such and such. Going home now. Going on vacation for two weeks. You might as well just go ahead and send a personal invitation to a thief to break into your house. <laughs> Are you here tonight? <laughs> it's, it's just crazy what's out there in, in terms of the pantheon of idols. 
But I'll tell you the idol that I have run into more as a pastor than any other idol, it's not the alcohol idol, it's not the drug idol, it's not the promiscuity idol, you know, it's not even the image idol, it is the idol of emotionality. What people feel they worship and bow down to. Tonight, right now, all kinds of things could be going on in your life emotionally. You say, well, how do I, cont- how can I tell right now, pastor, if I'm worshiping my emotions as an idol? Because you're following them right now and you're, you're bowing to them instead of receiving what God has for you. If you're not careful, the idol of emotion will rob you of everything God has for you. Do you know that one word from God can change your life forever? Yeah. I'm going to say it again. One word from God can change your life forever. And that word could be tonight. But you're just all the stir emotionally bowing down. Oh, yes, I feel this and I feel that. A lot of treasures have been lost in your home, in your church, in your ministry, because you bowed down to an emotional idol. A lot of horrible, horrible decisions have been made because we bowed down to what Lord Emotion told us. I don't have time to go through all the idols that are in America right now. But this is for sure one of them. Amen. At the risk of sounding completely monotonous and repetitive, let me say it again. God did not give you your emotions to run your life. That's right. He gave them to you to experience your life. Does that make sense? So if you are obeying any voice, any directive other than the one that purchased you, you have an idol in your life. Very subtle. Is this the Overcomers Club? Yes. I want to make sure that I didn't pull into the Defeated Club tonight, make sure I came to the right place. Say it's the Overcomers Club. It's the Overcomers Club. Uh, other kinds of idolatry takes place, you know, throughout the years. I've, I watched more than one person, you know, their, their primary goal was to go to a church and then scope out all the available single people. No. Guys looking for a girl and vice versa. Amen. And the reason God has them there is to transform their lives. But they have an idol. See, that's what they want most in life. That's it. And so they will literally follow that idol right out the door if they have to. Or if they hear about more tail over at Second Church. I'm preaching. Many of y'all are staring at me right now. Then they'll go over there because, you know, there's more fish in that barrel. Did the Holy Ghost lead them? No. If the Holy Ghost didn't lead them, then what? There's only one other choice, an idol. Isn't the Bible really simple if you just let it speak for itself? Say it with me. One true God over here. Idols all over here. That's the choice. And you have made the right choice. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Let's not turn back to some other idol. You'll find that uh, the temptation is actually nothing more than an idol in disguise. Pull back the curtain, this is what you will see. It looks like temptation, but in reality, the enemy would love you to do what he did. Worship self or something like that instead of worshiping God. I want you to go with me over to Isaiah 44 because his revelation of idolatry is something we need to be, you know, uh, really grounded in. It'll help you today. And I just want to read uh, a portion of this to you. Let me know when you get to Isaiah 44. It's conveniently right after Isaiah 43. And if you get to Isaiah 45, you turn too far. Although it's all good. Isaiah 44, just look at uh, verse 6. First of all, this is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is what? How many gods? A hundred gods? A thousand gods? No, there is one. One God and everything else is lobbed into the group of idols. I'll skip down a little bit further uh, to verse 13. There's more here that's so good. It's a great chapter for you to read devotionally. The carpenter measures with a line and makes an outline with a marker. So what do you see here? A carpenter is a human being, right? He shapes it in the form of man, of man in all his glory, that it may dwell in a shrine. So you see the purpose of his heart. He cut down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. It's man's fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. 
but he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Isn't that ridiculous? So half of it I'm making a fire with, and half of it I'm making an image with. For the rest he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, save me, you are my God. That's how ridiculous it is to have any kind of God other than what? Than the Lord. They know nothing. They understand nothing. In other words, they're not real. They're not true. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see. Their minds closed so they cannot understand. No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I use for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Here's the answer to that question. (laughs) And that's what you're doing. You're either bound down to the one true God, or guess what? Everything else is a block of wood. Can't answer, can't see, can't provide, can't do a thing for you. It's not real. There's one true God. Say it with me, one true God. How many? How many? One. One. Amen. And it's a a wonderful thing to know. Now, whatever revelation of His character you have, is not enough to say He's the one true God. You want to now become like He is. Follow His example. Well, in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, listen to this. Yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things come from and from he, from whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom we, uh, all things and through whom we, let me say this again, through whom all are all things and through whom we exist. Say it one more time. One God. God. Say it one God. God. Father God. God God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's incredibly important you see this. Say, there's only one true God. Shout it out. There's only one. How many? One. So we're not being uh, racist, elitist, amen, exclusivists, when we say there's only one way to heaven. There's only one God. And you're not helping people when you leave, when they leave your presence and they think that somehow there are other ways into heaven. There are not. As far as Sunday goes, if you know somebody that's lost and undone without God, backslidden or never born again, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to see them get saved. We talk about the return of the Lord um, as being imminent or or approaching. Um, We need to be stirred once again about this reality. Amen. So let's talk a little bit more about this. Um, There cannot be any other God. He is the one true God. And the true God cannot be a liar. Say, my God God is not a liar. Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies, how often? Never Never lies, promised before the ages began. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How many people come to God through? No man comes to Him, uh, comes to the Father, except through Christ. We understand that why He is that way. John 8, 32 tells us the power of truth. You shall know the truth. And, and what? The truth. the truth shall set you free. So you're not helping people, letting them believe a lie in the name of being nice to people. You know, there are a lot of people that are going to split hell wide open and they're going to wonder why their neighbors and friends and co-workers never said a thing to them. If they really believed that this was serious, if hell was real. And it actually is. Um, and heaven is also real. Can I have an amen? amen? You and I know him. And it's our job to pass on that knowledge so people too will know him as true and that he doesn't lie. Why is this important? Because if I fundamentally believe in my heart he's not a liar, then when he says there's only one way, what do I do? I believe that. There's only what? One name under heaven given among men by which we we what? We must be saved. Well, I don't know if that's true. Okay, if you if you listen to that and you listen to the teaching about the, the oneness of God, the uniqueness of God, and then you either imply or acquiesce to somebody that says there are many ways to heaven, you're calling God a flat-out liar. Because the statements that you make are completely incompatible with any kind of polytheism in this nation around the world. It's either he is a liar or guess what? He's telling the truth and we should yield to him. Uh, Josh McDowell used to teach this. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. 
How many believe he's not a lunatic? Uh, he can't be. You do know all those miracles and rise from the dead being a lunatic. He's not a liar, so that means what? He is Lord. But when you say something like, well, that's just too grand a statement. That can't possibly be true. There's only one way. God wasn't trying to complicate this. He was trying to simplify it. Help yourself and other people. There's only one propitiation for sin. There's only one that died for the sins of mankind. One. And he gets to call the shots. And that one true God says these things. Now to imply there's another pathway to heaven is to state emphatically that God's a liar. If God is a liar, then none of us should listen to him. But he's not a liar. Amen. Romans 3.14 tells us, let God be true and all men liars. Um, some of those liars in the Islamic world, some of those liars in the Judaism camp, some of those liars in the New Age camp, some of those are in the secular camp, some of those in the purveyors of, of racism and hatred throughout the land. Some of those have a lot of different labels, but behind it all, right, they're what? It's not that complicated. Either God's a liar or people are liars. God's not a liar. That must mean when people say there are other pathways to heaven, they're lying. I mean, you may have enjoyed the Oprah show. You may just, you know, have a certain level of respect for what she pulled herself out of. Well, that's, that's a great story. It's a great story of success. But when it comes to eternity, she's a liar. They're not compatible. And it's high time the church stopped being so sheepish about these things. Well, we don't want to offend anybody. Can I tell you something? The word itself is offensive. The way. Repeatedly, they would try to take Jesus out before his time of crucifixion. Why? They were so offended by the things he said. He quoted from Isaiah 61, Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. And what, uh, what he did there is a message that, that many of us believe he shared in several different places where he ministered. He would open up the place, he would read, and he would say, Today this is fulfilled in your hearing. He came to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor, etc. And then he began to illustrate the sermon. Yes. And he began to illustrate the sermon and talk about there were what? A lot of other people sick, right, in Naaman's day. And there are a lot of people that needed in the widow's day. But what did those two people have in common? They were not Jewish. And you're sitting there listening to this, and you're telling me that the one that got the benefits are people who weren't even technically covenant people. Why? Because they responded and obeyed what they were told to do. Naaman dipped down. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And the woman did what? She put God first. And they were so furious, they wanted to do what with Jesus? Now, if somebody hasn't tried to throw you off a cliff yet, yet you're not doing your job. We, somebody talking ugly about us. You know, somebody won't talk to us anymore. You know, a family member has, has set us aside. No, they don't invite us in anymore because they know how we stand. Oh, poor little you. Repeatedly they tried to get him, but they couldn't do this because it wasn't his time yet. He was prophesied that he would be lifted up. He would not be thrown off a cliff or stoned in another case. Does that make sense? The gospel is offensive. You and I are saying, because it's what God says and we believe he is true, there is no other way. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, and you're not the one that made the rules. Glory to God. Numbers 23 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Is he coming back? I said, is Jesus returning? Why? Because God has spoken it, and it will happen. But you know, he has spoken a lot of things in this book, and he's not a liar. When he said he'd forgive you, he's not a liar. When he said he would heal, he's not a liar. When he said he would provide, he's not a liar. When he said he would deliver, he's not a liar. Shut up. My God, My God is, not is not a liar. You can count on it. Well, what's taking so long? That's not your business. That's your problem. You got your eyes on the clock, got your eyes on the checkbook, got your eyes on the symptoms. Your eyes should be on what he said. Does that make sense? And praise him in the meantime. 
John, uh, uh, actually, John eight forty four. I want you just to turn over to that uh, area. Again, it makes a great distinction. Say, my God is true. Here's another interesting scripture where Jesus just pleased everybody that heard it. John 8, uh, verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> When's the last time you went to church and heard that sermon? <laughs> And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth, what? In him. In him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sins if I am telling the truth? Why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now notice, the devil has a native language. And what is that native language? Lies. Lies. But notice that God also has a native language. Yes. Truth. Yes. And there is absolutely no mixing the two. So God has a language called truth. So what should the language of the believer be? Truth. truth. Not feeling sorry for somebody and then trampling the scripture because of it. Justifying getting into air because of compassion. No, compassion and truth go hand in hand. God has a language, and that language is true. And then everybody else is in a camp of idolatry where there is error. Behind it all is the father of lies. God's not the author of confusion. So why would there be hundreds of religions in the world? The enemy is the author of confusion. He doesn't care what trick works. As long as it works. It's simple for you and for me. We choose to believe that our God is one. He's the one true God. He tells the truth. That is his native tongue. Say it. My God's native language is truth. Isaiah 45, 19, a very simple but powerful scripture. I, the Lord, speak the truth. Aren't you glad when you open up the word of God, you know it's the truth? That was pretty weak. Let me try that again. Aren't you glad to know when you open up the Word of God, you know you're listening to truth in a world of error. Moving on tonight, the Word is the source and revelation of that truth. God and His Word are one. God and His will are one. We're told to actually continue in His Word, then we would know the truth and it would set us free. In John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that grace and truth came through Jesus. John 17, 17, we're told that we're to have Jesus commissioned here in his mandate, his revelation is, sanctify them by thy what? Thy truth. Where's the truth at? Thy word is truth. Turn to somebody and smile and say, thy word is truth. The source of all truth is what? The word of God. Anything that deviates from that is false. You have to have a very high view of Scripture. Say this with me, the integrity of the Word of God. If you're going to live the life that He has for you, if you're going to walk in victory, you're going to have to have a very high view of the Word of God in a world that has a very low view of the Word of God. Make up your mind that you're going to have this, this mindset in you that you honor the Word of God. Amen. Honor it enough to what? To honor it enough to do what the Word actually says in your life. Say this with me, anything, anything. that deviates from the Word is false. In Psalm 119, 160, all your words are true. Not part of them, but what? All of them are true. Psalm 33, 4, for the Word of the Lord is right and it is true. Again, Jesus mentioned this in John chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. Write these down and devotionally study the things that you're hearing tonight. Any uh, God-called-ordained minister of the gospel is going to tell you what I'm about to tell you. Don't sit up here and take for granted what a speaker is telling you. You go to the Word of God. 
The highest authority in the church is not the pastor. It's the Word of God. So what you do, you open it up. If I was easy telling the truth. You know, study for yourself. Be like a Berean where you study the things of God and the claims of Scripture. But in John verse seven, chapter 7, verse 28, Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. Say it, he is true. In other words, there's nobody else up there. There's no one else going to do this. He sent me. He is true. Then in 1 John 5.20, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. The Father and the Son share that character trait of what? Being True. Our knowledge of Him comes through that relationship with Jesus Christ. As we know Him, we can know the characteristics and the nature of God. Say it, He's true. And this in Revelation 22, 6, these words are trustworthy and true. Why is that important? Because the, the book of Revelation is a hard message for the world. For you, you should be celebrating. Amen. Yes. How many are on the right side of this? Yes. Aren't you glad you're born again? But there should be no fear in the heart of a Christian who's born again. That's right. This part over here is convinced of that. This over here is not so convinced of that. There should be no fear of the revelation for the believer. Amen. You should look at all the wonderful things your, your God is doing and say, well, I'm on the right side of this thing. Can I help you out here? When he comes again, he will be with his holy ones. Right. Myriads of holy ones. And that means you. Born again, resurrection, resurrected, amen, if dead in Christ, and raised up together, caught up together with Him. Yes. Well, it sounds like a fantasy. To the world, it does. To the believer, it's not fantasy. It's beam me up, amen, I'm ready to go. Yeah. This world's crazy. Yes. I mean, He could not take over this world sooner. Amen. I'll give you a little tidbit. When Jesus came as a baby, He came for restoration. When he comes again, he's coming for retaliation. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. Why? Because of rejection of the pathway that God actually created for people. And guess what? When he, when he, they see him, the one they pierced, listen, this world is still going to foam at the mouth. You would think that at that moment they would fall down on their faces and repent. You know, somehow in the pride of man, they think that their sheer numbers will overtake. A, a, an army like the sea, 200 million. That didn't used to be possible when this was given by God. It is now. You know what? It doesn't make any difference if there's 200 trillion army. That's right. Exactly. Just with the breath of God, wham. You're going to be glad you're on the right side of this thing. He is just. Say, why would I do that? Because he is just. And because he is true, you can have confidence in what he said. You can have confidence in the resurrection of the dead. You can have confidence that you're going to be sitting at that banquet table. You're going to have confidence that you're going to receive your rewards. You'll take those crowns and you'll cast them at his feet in honor to him. You can have confidence, amen, that you'll be part of his ruling and reigning forever and ever. You know, during the millennial reign, it's going to be a freaky time on this earth. There are going to be people like you and me ruling and then mortal people still existing. Yeah. <laughs> Selah. Pastor, are there going to be doggies and kitties? Yep. But guess there's going to be an authority. Those who are saints, amen. Those who walk with God. It's a marvelous thing to think about. And guess what? It's not fantasy. It's all true. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? God gave it to John the Revelator. God gave it. A true God gave revelation. So revelation is what? Pretend fantasy? True. And just like the rest of the Bible, you should read it. So I don't understand everything. Ask the Holy Spirit. He wrote it. Yes. 
Amen. Yeah. They give an understanding. And if things are hidden to you at this point, just trust that he knows what he's doing. Sometimes we don't fully understand what God is doing in our lives until we're smack dab in the middle of it. People have come to me through the years and say, well, I've had this dream, you know, a recurring dream, and I believe it's from God. And they'll, they'll give it to me, and I'll say, you know what, I, I can bear witness that God is trying to speak to you about some things, and, you know, I just don't understand about the timing of what I'm supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, you know, years will go by, and I'll get a phone call or somebody will send me a text or something like that, and say, you know that dream that I had? I'm now standing right in the middle of that thing. You know, there you go, see you left. Amen. The important thing is if God's talking to you, to have confidence that He knows what He's doing. Does that make sense? Some of us self-direct our lives because we don't have confidence in the one true God to guide us. No, you're much better at it. Amen. The true God, you. Infallible one versus you. I'm going to go with the infallible one. Amen. Glory to God. Say these words are trustworthy and true. You can count on them. So from Genesis to Revelation, regardless of what man says, God has supernaturally preserved His revelation for you and for me. His Word, God and His Word are what? They're one. God and His will are one. So when you're reading the Scripture, what? You should say, my true God said that, so it's true. Amen. What are some benefits of understanding the nature of God that He is a true God? What's the benefit of having a true God? First of all, you know that he's consistent in all generations. You've probably heard somebody say from time to time religiously, well, you never know what God's going to do. Yeah, we do because he's true and he's consistent. He's the same God today that he was 2,000 years ago. He's the same God that walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He's the same God that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is consistent in all generations. Someone who says, you never know what God's going to do, that reflects little to no understanding of His nature. That's all that means. You say, well, isn't everybody taught the character of God? No, they're taught religious notions about God. To understand that God is true is to know that when He says something, you can count on that. Does that make sense? And He is the same in all generations. I don't think we'll be here in a thousand years, but guess what? If we are, He'll be what? He'll be the same. same. He is the Lord our God, and He changes not. not. That's important to understand. He has always responded to faith. Always. He has always been compassionate. Even when people have been faithless, He has been faithful. You know, if I'm God in the wilderness, I'm not raining down anything that's tasty. I'm going to make Him eat slugs. You understand what I'm saying to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but guess what? He's the same. Number two, he's trustworthy in all situations. Yes. You can rely on him and count on him in anything you face. You're facing a challenge in your mind, your emotions, your marriage, your money. You can count on him because he is true. He is trustworthy in all situations. How many can raise your hand and say you found God be trustworthy in your life in all situations? Even when you blow it, even when you blow it. Even on a day of victory, even on a day of victory. How many have found out that He is still trustworthy even when you suffer a loss of some kind? Amen. You lose the battle, somebody goes on to be with the Lord. Amen. He is still God. He is still trustworthy. You know, one of the things I can tell you in doing so many funerals through the years I've never been to one where I did not feel God's presence there to minister to that family. We say things. Let me help you out here. For those of you who either think you're called to ministry or aspire to ministry, you don't try to be eloquent and don't try to come up with new revelation. Let me help you out here, okay? What do people remember at a funeral, particularly the family? Absolutely nothing you said. Unless you're a believer and you're dialed in. And you're not taught, you know, trapped by some spirit of sorrow. Well, you know what they do remember? That you were there. Because at that moment in time, they're not needing a lecture. And see, the one who is the true comforter is there. I just say this to you. He is trustworthy. You can count on him. You can rely on him in every situation and every season of life. Hey, you know what? Uh, if, you're, if you're young, you say, well, I've not lived that long. Well, just watch and see. Amen. You live in a fallen world. 
then you're going to be glad that he is trustworthy in every season of your life. Come on, give me a good amen tonight. He is trustworthy. Number three, he's faithful in keeping his word. He's faithful in keeping his word. When you have a revelation of his nature as a God that is true, you know he's faithful in keeping his word. He does not say one thing and then do nothing. He will not violate his oath or his covenant. He's a covenant-keeping God. If he said he will, then guess what? He will. But he doesn't always necessarily tell us the timing or the methodology. Do y'all remember when people used to pay for things with checks? I mean, a lot of people have this mindset that if God was going to give them a breakthrough financially, guess what? It was going to come through the mailbox, the holy mailbox. Oh, praise the Lord. Go and bow down to that mailbox because that's where it's going to come from. He has a million ways to bless your life. Does that make sense? I said he has a million ways to bless your, bless your life. But you're fixated on this is the timing and this is the how, and this is the way, and you're in turmoil because you should be just resting in the promise. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. A true God inspired a man of God to write that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if a true God gave it, it is true. And you can expect that somehow, some way, the righteous are not going to be forsaken. Their seed are not going to what? Be begging for bread. It does matter that you serve God. I said it matters that you serve God and that your family is absolutely tied into these things. If he said it, guess what? He doesn't say one thing and do another. Glory to God. Say he's my provider. He's my healer. He's my restorer. You say, well, I pray for somebody and they didn't make it. Well, if you've been ministering as long as I've been in, you pray for a lot of people who didn't make it. Oh, but I'll tell you what, I pray for people, more people that did. I said I pray for more people that did, and so have you. But you want to focus on that. But here, I've, I've lost a few, and some of them lived a, a you know, long, long life. Uh, Carlos Elkins, I was in the hospital, but God supernaturally plugged a bleeder in his artery after surgery. And even the surgeon will tell you to this day that a sequence of events and the skill level and the timing of it all, it was a God thing. His, uh, his wife, Linda, was in that chapel with me and Mark Randall. And all I can tell you is that uh, she just began to cry out to God. And it was like when I, when I looked at her, she just kind of sat up like this. It was like somebody just smacked her in the head with a, with a, you know, a pan. And it was like, it's done. And I mean, it was 10 minutes later. The surgeon comes out and says it was a miracle, but he's alive. He's doing just fine. That was decades ago. But, uh, you know, he went home to be with the Lord. And his son's testimony, Tommy, is that he actually was asking God for weeks and weeks and weeks to take him on home. He was, uh, he was battling cancer and had some other things going on in his life. And he's 90 years old. Say, so a long life. I'll satisfy you. And then show you my salvation. His brother walks in. He's 96. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. I've never had somebody go on over to the other side, which is perfect healing. They came back and said, man, this place really stinks. I want to come back. Not one person who had that supernatural healing, unless they were assigned by God, their time was not done, they had a mission, they had an operation to take care of. No one's ever done that. But I tell you what I have experienced. We were in Hopkinsville, and this lady had developed pneumonia in both uh, of her lungs. And when they put her on a ventilator, they blew her lungs out. Uh, those in the medical profession know at this point in time, without a creative miracle, there's not much you can do. It's just a matter of time. And so we were called to the intensive care unit over there. And we're around her bed, and we were also getting ready to do an illustrated sermon at church. So the team getting ready to do that was in the in church praying. So we're there praying. And every time we did, all of her vitals would come back up again. Leave the hospital, go back to church. An hour later they say, well, all these vitals are going down again. We're about to lose it. We go back over there and we pray to get And guess what? Up went the vitals. Now she's stable again. You know, now our family's like, hey, we're winning this thing, glory to God. And so we leave and go back to church. And about an hour later, guess what? 
Everything's crashing. Go back over to the hospital. So at this point in time, I had her son, her grandson by her bedside. And uh, this whole family had a church Christ background, and she got born again spirit-filled. Then her entire family got born again in spirit-filled. So this is where, this is a spirituality we're dealing with here. And so we're holding hands, and we're, we're believing God. And in the spirit, I see this woman smiling from faith, you know, from ear to ear, you know, just in perfect health, just a perfect peace. She kind of walks out of this, out of this darkness into light, and she comes straight to me, and she says, tell my family I love them and goodbye. <laughs> you say, what did I learn that day? I learned that my faith was operating against her faith, and she's the determining factor. And guess what she did? She did. What am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, she just said that to me, and she just turned and walked away. That was it. No conversation, no debate. And sure enough, she went on to be with the Lord, and it was not a sad thing because we know where all of them, you know, stood spiritually. And to be able to tell that to their family hasn't happened since like that in my ministry. But it was very, very real. And to know that, that she actually was what? She was gearing up. She was ready to go. And there are things like that you and I don't know. You don't know the secret confessions of even the people you live with. You don't know where they stand. You think you do. But in her heart, it was like, you know what? You keep basically calling me back and preventing me from going through those doors, those gates. I'm going to slap you if you don't stop it. Basically, was the message. I'm going to come up out of this bed and slap you silly. Because I've never seen one get over there and say, oh, man, that's just terrible. <laughs> and that's what you need to think about. Perspective here. He's faithful. Yes. Amen. No matter what, he is not going to violate his oath or his covenant with you. And I tell you how, how, how serious that is. Have me know that uh, Israel is the only nation that God ever initiated a covenant towards. Yes. But the United States is the only nation. There are nations that are following now in our footsteps, particularly African nations where new leaders are coming in. But from their foundation, we're the only nation to actually, on our own volition, what establish a covenant with God. You understand what I'm saying to you? This nation has a covenant with God. Which means if he has to come down here personally and knock some sense into people governing this nation, he's not above doing that. Your confidence doesn't need to be in men. It needs to be in the one true God who is faithful. Does that make sense? Turn to someone saying, God's not done with this nation. Come on, say it boldly. He's not done with this nation. In Jesus' name. He's faithful in keeping his word. He'll never violate his oath or covenant. Fourth, he's dedicated to be involved in our lives. He's made a solemn promise. He has eyes and ears and a mouth that actually work. He's not like the idol they built. He can see, he can hear, he can speak. We're not alone. And you never will be. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. I'm going to say it again. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, shout it out. I'm not alone. Come on, say it. I am not alone. He is with me every step of the way. Why? Because that's how a true God operates. And last day, he's diligent to say and only do what is true. If God said it, guess what? It's true. If God did it, guess what? It was true. When God does it, it is true. Now, God showed up today to Theophany and say the risen Lord and said that uh, Judah is a two-eyed green monster. Guess what he would become? A two-eyed green monster. Instantly. Why? Because he's true. That's one of the reasons why God can't lie. Because the force of his faith, the force of what he says, the power of his words, he is not a man that he should lie. As we close this out, how can you consistently walk in the truth? Just jot these down and make it a prayer point for yourself. It's really all about what you do with the Word of God. Amen? Say it's the Word. Number one, you need to recognize the truth. He is the only source of absolute truth. Yes, regardless of what the world says, there is absolute truth in this world. Amen. And it's the true God and the revelation of God through His Word. Say it, the Word of God, the word of God. is absolute truth.
in this context, because of recognizing the truth, you also have to recognize error. You have to discern between good and evil. And your fellowship with him through his word gives you the ability to discern right from wrong. Number two, you've got to believe the truth. It's a standard, the word of God. Don't believe the error, but believe what he says. That's a decision. It's not a one-time decision. Every day you get up, you should say, you know, I believe God. I believe the word of God. I don't care what other people say. I believe what his word says. I believe what he promises. I believe what he said he's going to do. He's going to do. Number three, commit to the truth. Make a quality decision. Whatever the word says, that's what we're going to do. It'll change your life. Say it with me. That'll change my life. A quality decision from which there is no retreat. Once we see what the Word says, that's what we're going to do. Say that. That's what we're going to do. Simple illustration. The Bible says, Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. Why bring that up? Why the pastors mention that? Because it is a problem in the body of Christ all over the world. Now, that's a revelation of the truth. That's what the Word says. That's what the true God says. Everybody say, God said it. I recognize it. I believe it. Now I need to commit to it. So other voices that contradict that are idols. And they may be in pulpits, on TV shows. They may be in a book or a magazine or on the Internet. But if they contradict the Word of God, listen carefully and get this into your spirit. Any voice that contradicts the Word of God is an idol. And if you listen to an idol, that's idolatry. Well, Pastor, I think. I have been around here now for several decades, and there are people that still don't have a clue. Up and down and in and out and tithe we don't, attend we don't. What's going on is the one true God is not being served according to the Scripture and with fidelity. Idols are inserting their will into that situation. A Christian who is one day up and emotionally led the other, you know, one day walking with God and then they're doing what their emotions tell them, they're yielding to an idol. For consistency's sake, you and I have to commit to the truth, a quality decision. Once we know what God says in His Word, what are we going to do? That's what we're going to do. Amen? Say, that's what I'm going to do. If the Word says it, that's what I'm going to do. Praise the Lord. Number four, immerse yourself in the truth. Saturate your thinking in the truth of God, His Word. Don't compromise it, but saturate yourself in it. World War II, the way they trained uh, linguists to deal with the Italians and the Germans and the Japanese, is they basically put them in a camp and they weren't allowed to communicate in English at all. It was a total immersive experience. And some languages are harder than others. They do the same thing now with Farsi in terms of Iran. They do the same thing with with you know Arabic, they, they immerse people, but this was a, a standard bearer program so they could get a soldier up to speed, even including certain dialects in certain parts of Austria or Germany, they can get them up to speed in a matter of weeks rather than years by what? Immersion. You know what American Christians need right now? They need immersion therapy. They need to saturate themselves to get up to speed quickly, especially if you've been on cruise control spiritually for some time. Now you immerse yourself. And you know, we've got uh, just on our website hundreds and hundreds of hours. Keith Moore has hundreds and hundreds of hours of resources that are out there. Uh, Believer's Voice of Victory, the daily broadcast, program after program that will give you not what they think, but what the Word of God actually teaches about these things. If you want to be immersed, you can be. I recommend if you have one goal in 2024, get yourself immersed in the Word of God. Amen. Renew your mind on what He thinks. And the last, continue in the truth. Continue in the truth rather than starting and stopping and starting and stopping. This means consistent obedience. Or as you heard when we talked on holiness, unpunctuated obedience. To stop doing the word is to slip into disobedience. If there is one true God and then this group of all other gods and idols, guess what? If we are walking in disobedience, we're in idolatry. And God can't bless that. Does that make sense? 
That's why you and I can't be God. We can't make some government God. We can't make our own personal dreams God. We can't do what we want to do. We've got to find out what God is actually saying and then yield to what He is saying for our lives. It's time to fire yourself, that tendency to self-govern. Turn to somebody and say, you're supposed to be dead. As long as I say it's supposed to be. Well, hallelujah, Pastor, I'm here on Wednesday night. Isn't that getting me closer? It sure is. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Continue. If you continue my word, the Bible says, then you're my disciples. Then you will know the truth. If you're my disciple, you'll have revelation. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But notice the steps here. If you don't continue in the word, you'll never get the freedom ever get to a place called freedom unless you continue. Say it with me. I recognize the truth, believe the truth, commit to the truth, immerse myself in the truth, and continue in the truth in Jesus' name. Now, come on, give me a hand clap and thank him for that. <laughs>